welcome to the inaugural episode of Expectations. I am still in disbelief that this is actually happening and that you're actually listening to this right now. I'm so excited. Within this episode, we're going to be speaking about how I came up with the meaning behind the title of the podcast and also how I even came up with this crazy idea to have my own podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it. the inaugural episode of the expectations podcast hosted by me robert harvey jr i hope you can sense the level of excitement that i have right now and just saying that alone because every time that i've said it because i'm going to be honest this is probably my third time recording this episode alone or this intro alone and it causes the same reaction or the same result of me stopping slightly and pausing and really trying to understand what I'm actually doing right now and that it brings me an influx of emotions emotions such as nervousness excitement but also eagerness and also to be in to be the most humble in the most humble way the least facetious way proud of myself that I'm doing this right now that this is something that has been months in the making, nearly a year. Thankfully, that 2020 is coming to an end, so that's making it nearly a year now, that this has been pretty much a baby in the making, as weird as they may be, that may be. But I really want this podcast to be something that is seen as a middle ground point a point that is very authentic and honest something that is very much opposite of what we have seen throughout the past uh, couple of years and I really want this first episode to serve as what is pretty much entailed to be by it simply being the first episode which is me introducing not only myself, but also to introduce the podcast itself, and more specifically, how I came to the idea of even making it in the first place. So I think I'll begin by really speaking on kind of how this year pretty much affected me, because that is really the root of why this podcast is even happening right now. As this year I have pretty much seen the most death I've ever seen in my life. And that I I have never mourned this much in my life before. Now granted, I am only a 21-year-old young black man. But I can say with no hesitation that this year I have probably never been traumatized this much before in my life. And I really want to kind of touch on that 
trauma that I experienced and kind of still experience even as this year is coming to an end. As this year we've seen the death of multiple unarmed black Americans being killed for no reason. And in witnessing that every single morning as I wake up to go to school online and log into Zoom and look in the faces of 15 to 20 people within a virtual classroom and to be asked how my day is going and how have I been adjusting to the coronavirus. And that essentially being the only question posed in the first half of this year and me realizing that I will wake up and turn the television on and essentially see another pile of blood of another innocent black person being killed in the middle of a United States street and having to log into that classroom and answer that question cost me to sit back and really reflect on most of the answers given when asked that question within the classrooms that I was involved in at that point in time in which people seen this year or the early portion of this year as an opportunity to catch up on sleep and to finally clean their basements. And this is not to diminish anyone else's experience within this year. As we all know, this year has impacted every single person in any way possible that may be negatively or positively. So I'm not denouncing anyone else's struggle or interaction with this year but to listen to those sort of answers and to realize that I have not had one break within this year a mental break of this year since it started as this year has been full of disappointment full of trauma full of death and full of mourning full of anger and me having to work within myself to try and cope with what I am witnessing every single day when I wake up. To wake up to an element of a nightmare every day. And in dealing with that, it caused me to really sit back and ask myself, what am I doing? What is that? What is it that I can be doing? Because along with the bodies hashtag all over social media there are people marching every day speaking every day at demonstrations and protests calling for action and calling for justice for those bodies and those names but i felt that simply me going out to a protest or a demonstration or sharing a hashtag of the same name on my personal media pages was not something that I found to be the most effective for me. As I believe there had to be something that I can do that is more for me. And this is me being completely honest, being completely transparent. And this idea of posting the picture of a Breonna Taylor or an Ahmaud Arbery or a Jacob Blake, that is 
very much important in his own way. But I also but I also feel that people misconstrue posting the names or the pictures as work. As they misconstrue it as the only thing that they can do. As at the very least, hey, I acknowledge those bodies were unjustly killed via my social media page. Yes, they were murdered. They deserve to have justice. But if you were to ask those same people, have they gone out? Have they gone out to their local sheriff offices, district attorney offices, called their office numbers countless and numerous times to put certain bills in their desks to end qualified immunity or to register to vote, to work towards getting other people to vote, and not only to ask them, ask them, or work towards getting them to vote or register to vote, but for them to understand who and what they are voting for. People can post a picture or a name or a face very easily. Apple made that very easy. Instagram made that very easily. But the work that comes on the other side of that, that is where the buck stops for some people. They find themselves meeting their expectations or meeting the expectations of society in a way that they, at the very least, posted a picture or hashtag of a person's name who was killed. So I did not want to do that. Or I did not only want to do that. Yet there was something in the back of my mind constantly telling me that there is more that I can do. And I'm also that person within my friend group and within my immediate circle, in which I'm that person that most people go to to ask quote-unquote political questions. Hey, what is happening now? Is this is this being shut down today? Or are we getting shut down today or tomorrow? Was the next bill being passed? What's going on, going on out there? In the case of Breonna Taylor, what's going on with Ahmaud Arbery? And I was seen as the person who will have some semblance of an answer for it. And being asked those questions on a consistent basis and always being asked some questions regarding what's happening in the world and me realizing that there are many people out in the world who do not understand what is going on, which also led me to the idea that there are a lot of people out there who don't even know what they can do. That those same people saying that they had a lot of time to clean their basements or to catch up on sleep do not know that they can go out and help register people to vote, that they can help campaign for a candidate or a candidate's policy that will positively impact an entire community. So with that mind frame, I came into this idea that I should do something in one way or another to inform people or at least provide what I know to people for them to be able to positively engage within their communities, to better their communities, and therefore better the country as a whole. So as being a devout podcast listener of multiple podcasts, I found that a lot of podcasters that I listened to were constantly in each of their episodes throughout this year, specifically as, of course, it is a very heightened year, not only because of COVID-19 and the rise of demonstrations 
against police brutality and other things of that nature, but also it is a presidential election year and that there are constantly calls for people to go out and register to vote and be able to register for a mail-in ballot and an absentee ballot. But there are also calls for people to call on their state legislators and to dial their numbers and to demand for them to place bills onto their desks and to introduce them into Congress or the Senate or the State House or the State Senate. So in realizing that, I said that this may be something that I can also do, but I did not want to mimic simply someone else's podcast. I wanted to come in with an idea that one, I can follow through on because it is authentically me, but also something that will not be seen as simply as a repetitive listen compared to every other podcast that are that is out there right now. So in keeping that in mind, I really wanted to sit on it for a while as far as the idea or the angle of which I wanted to use my podcast for more so along with just saying, hey, this is where you can go to vote. This is what you can do. And I found myself rereading one of my favorite books of all time by one of my favorite people in the entire world, by far my favorite author to ever walk the earth. And through this book, it essentially directed me into the direction of which I wanted this podcast to go in. And what I really want people to gravitate to and what they can take from this podcast each and every week that I publish a new episode. So I read The Fire Next Time by the great James Baldwin. And if you do not know who he is, if you do know me, and as I hope anyone who listens and will continue to listen will end up getting to know me over time, you will understand the passion and the deep-rooted love that I have for James Baldwin and within his book The Fire Next Time he wrote this very personal and very in-depth and honest letter to his nephew to which he's seen him as his very own son since he never fathered any children in his lifetime and he wrote this letter to him which is essentially the first part of the book to his nephew, as he is named after Jimmy by his brother, as they were very close. As a way to provide a warning or a disclaimer to his nephew of the world in which he will grow up into, as he describes it as being very flawed, as very complicated, and that it will cause his nephew to have doubt within himself, and that he will essentially feel that he is not worthy to aspire to do anything more than what is expected of him within his lifetime. Therefore, bringing out the quote that I will always travel with me for the rest of my life, which is he said within this letter, quote, you were not expected to aspire for greatness. Rather, you were expected to make peace with mediocrity. That is what I want this podcast to focus on. As those expectations gravitate and they 
travel even until today. And they are ingrained into the same mentality of which we hear today involving the reluctance and the rejection to involve themselves within their political participation. And they help to form these narratives and these sources of rhetoric in which we hear the sayings of my vote does not count. This is just what it is. Nothing is going to change, even if I vote. You were expected, along with having systemic actions taken throughout generations, to form those incorrect conclusions. And that is what I found to be the very root of why I am doing this podcast. And that, in my opinion, we are making peace with mediocrity when we continue to repeat incorrect statements such as our vote does not count nothing is going to change if we vote that is what is expected of us to do to say to repeat and to pass on through generations and to help bring home that point i want to introduce you to two men to which i find to be very instrumental in trying to bring home that point so i want to introduce you to a man named herbert lee now herbert lee was a farmer from Emite County, Mississippi. And in 1961, yes, we are going that far back in history. It's not that far. That was me having a joke. Personality. Hello, this is me. In 1961, Herbert Lee was working within the Student Nonviolence Coordinated Committee, aka called SNCC, and working to register black Americans to vote in Mississippi in 1961. And as you may already know, it's very hard to get people to vote down in the South around that time, as many of them were physically and systemically deterred from being able to vote, as they were threatened that if they were to go out and to vote, they would have to reap the repercussions to not only themselves, but also to their families. Herbert Lee understood that risk. And even so, he continued, this, he continued his work. And he worked for many months and years to try and register people to vote. And yes, he was harassed, and he was stalked by local officials down in my County. Yes, they were white. And on September 25th, 1961, Herbert Lee was traveling to a local cotton gin, and he was followed and met with a state legislator by the name of E.H. Hearst, to which Hearst pulled up behind Lee's truck, and he stepped out of the truck, and he approached Herbert Lee, and he demanded that they needed to talk. But by talk, the weapon in his hand did not speak to Herbert Lee in a positive way as they had their own encounters before. And Lee remembered that E.H. Hurst deliberately threatened that the next time that he seen him, if he were to hear that he was continuing to his work in registering black Americans to vote, that he would reap the repercussions. And Herbert Lee, standing his own ground on September 25th, told E.H. Hurst he is not going to talk unless he dropped a weapon. E.H. Hurst, according to sources and witnesses, said that he stood there for about 20 seconds in silence. And then he quickly approached Herbert Lee. And Herbert Lee attempted to escape through his pickup truck. And before he can even step into his truck, E.H. Hurst ran up directly into his face and shot him in the middle of his head in broad daylight in front of 12 important witnesses to which Herbert Lee laid in the middle of Emite County at a local cotton gin for the public to witness for nearly three hours as his body laid in the middle of the road, lying in his own pile of blood as E.H. Hurst left immediately. And after about two and a half hours, local officials came and arrived to pick up the body of Herbert Lee and to collect any witnesses who may have seen the murder happen. And as I've said, there were 
12 key witnesses, a mixture of both white and black Americans, who say they witnessed the murder happen. And out of those 12 witnesses, there was one key witness in which it determined the outcome of the trial, or should I say the lack thereof. And that is where we meet the second man that I want you to meet, which is Lewis Allen, a black, middle-aged man from Liberty, Mississippi, not that far from Emmett County, was told that he must cooperate and help to corroborate with the story that E.H. Hurst ultimately gave to the jury once he arrived to court, in which he classified his actions as an action taken in self-defense, as his story was detailed to be that he arrived at the Cotton Gin and that Herbert Lee attempted to attack E.H. Hurst with a tire and iron, and that E.H. Hurst, on multiple occasions, demanded for Herbert Lee to drop the tire iron and that he rejected to do so. And in act of self-defense, E.H. Hurst shot Herbert Lee and ultimately killed him. Now, Lewis Allen knew what he saw. He knew that that was the complete opposite of what he saw. But he was expected to fall in line. And that is what he did. Because of his testimony, his false testimony, it led for E.H. Hurst to be exonerated of all charges the same day that he shot and killed Herbert Lee in broad daylight. Lewis Allen, after giving the false testimony that ultimately freed E.H. Hurst of all charges, leaving no justice for the death of Herbert Lee, felt guilty of what he did, as he knew that he felt complicit within the society and the system of which it only falls in the support of those that are superior within it, that are designed and orchestrated by those who are superior. So in that guilt, Lewis Allen wanted to make right of his decision and that he went to the FBI and the Department of Justice and attempted to give the true testimony, the true information. And of course, this is 1961 in the United States of America of a Southern man trying to uncover the truth of a crime committed within the Southern state of Mississippi. And Lewis Allen asked on several occasions for federal protection for his testimony that he wanted to give and trying to uncover the truth, and he was denied that protection. And through that denial, as he decided, well, I'm not going to give you information regarding the truth of the case, and he will find a way himself to try and uncover the truth without the local officials of Jackson, Mississippi, and Mike County to know. But unfortunately, his plan did not fall through. And instead, officials within Mike County and Jackson, Mississippi, found out about his actions taken to try and uncover the truth. So they took actions to keep Allen's mouth shut. And in doing so, they hired a specific sheriff to commit his entire duty only to maintain the silence of Lewis Allen. And that sheriff went by the name of Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, over the course of over three years, constantly harassed, arrested, and beat Lewis Allen in order to maintain his silence. So much so that one night in 1963, Daniel Jones arrived to Lewis Allen's residence in his own driveway and demanded that he turn around and assume the position to be arrested. And once he placed Lewis Allen in handcuffs, he struck Lewis Allen with his flashlight and broke his jaw in front of his wife and children. And through those three years, Lewis Allen in 1964 finally said that he had enough, that it was time for him to leave Jackson, Mississippi, to leave the state of Mississippi as a whole. And on January 31st, 1964, Lewis Allen made plans to leave that night. And in his 
quest to do so, he was met at his own driveway by Daniel Jones, allegedly. And he was shot twice in his head and left for dead underneath his pickup truck at the end of his driveway for nearly three hours. And he was later identified by his son, Hank Allen. And there is no coincidence as to how both Herbert Lee and Lewis Allen were left for dead for both nearly three hours. And that neither of those cases ended with the arrests of the presumed murderers. And only nine years later, after the death of Lewis Allen on January 31st, 1964, there was a young man born on October 14th, 1973, in Phaetonville, North Carolina. And only 46 years later, after the day he was born, he had a knee placed upon his neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds for the world to bear witness to his slow and agonizing display of a lynching. And that man went by the name of George Floyd. Now, I did not tell the stories of these men to further traumatize anyone, but rather I'm using them as not as props, but as a point of reference to provide the overarching point that this is what they were expected to endure, given their actions taken in order to exceed those expectations. The expectations of Herbert Lee to stay in his place, and that if you dare, which he did, to do the very opposite, such as to register voters, black voters, in the Mississippi, you will reap the repercussions. And for Lewis Allen to accept what is expected of him, the very low expectations of him, and to at one point fall complicit into the narrative of accepting what is, that yes, I am supposed to protect you only because your skin color dictates your innocence. And if I finally wake up from that facade and ultimately work towards changing that narrative, I will also face the same outcome as the one who realized it before me. And that a man in which we've all seen with our very eyes only seven months ago met the same fate of those two men who died less than 60 years ago. And yet we are still expected to make peace with those murders, to accept them for what they were, to essentially move on and hope it doesn't happen again. This is what I want this podcast to focus on. The fact that through our actions, although they may not be what we hear from one another, our actions speak louder than words. Cliches aren't cliches for no reason. Now, I do understand that there has been constant voices and ways of leaders and civil activists who call for the justice of those who are murdered unjustly. But there are also way too many people who are not exceeding expectations, who are not holding their local politicians accountable who don't even know who their local politicians are, who do not know that they can vote for their local sheriffs, who do not know that they can vote for their local school board, their superintendent, their local councilmen and councilwomen, their state senators, who may not even know who they are, and they only focus on the head of the country. And I'm using air quotes in saying that. And that we will boast and we will celebrate for three and a half years of a person who has very little to do to what happens in our everyday lives 
barring any catastrophic events within the country. And this is not to diminish the power of the President of the United States, but it is to enhance the awareness and the acknowledgement of those who run and hold public office in our very communities. As Herbert Lee was murdered by a state legislator, Lewis Allen was killed by a local sheriff. George Floyd was killed by four Minnesota police officers. This podcast is for me to continue to shed light on my enlightenment, to share what I'm constantly learning, as I do not have nowhere near the experience nor the education of those who have suffered, firsthand experienced, and studied these issues, and to hopefully encourage or at the very least, informs someone of something that they may not have known before and therefore causes them to recall things in their life and question some things that they may have done or do not know that they can do. And therefore, it can create a momentum that cannot be stopped, that cannot be diminished nor ignored. I want to end this episode off with a very good quote that I also learned. I'm also a quote person if you do not realize that yet but this quote compared to the others that i've given throughout this episode will kind of be seen as very odd very out of left field compared to the other ones because of the source but i think it also speaks to the root and the reason why i'm doing this so to those who may have never seen avengers endgame one i don't think you are human and two you have missed out on one the moment uh, when it first came out, you missed out on a very big and one-in-a-lifetime moment, as it, it is, I think, if I remember correctly, probably the highest-grossing movie of all time now, uh, as it surpassed Avatar. If it is not, any of my Avatar stands, I apologize. I apologize, but I think Avengers is getting close. But in Avengers, Thanos was probably my favorite character. Hate me if you want. I I will probably have an entire episode based on Thanos. And I'm not even a a Marvel super fan. But one line that Thanos said in that movie near the end is something that really drives home not only this episode, but my way of thinking in some way, shape, or form. And in the end of the movie, he says, As long as there are those that remember what was, there will always be those that are unable to accept what can be. As that quote is probably one of my favorite quotes from any movie that I've watched. And if my father had anything to say right now, he would say you have not watched enough movies to even say that. But I stand by that. And that it really brings home this idea that there are still people who understand and remember a world in which there is no other alternative but for them to be in power. For them to have the ability to cast out those who oppose their opinions. So much so that they would do anything by any means necessary. Even if it costs the life of those they are trying to cast out. Whether it's to shoot them in plain sight in the middle of daylight. Or to simply place a knee on the back of their neck for nearly nine minutes. So I want this first episode to serve as a call to action for everyone to work to exceed their expectations of what they want from their country and from their country men and women. And I know that this may sound very stereotypical and very Martin Luther King Jr. ish, 
but the message is still the same. The severity of it is the same, if not more. As now is the best time to do anything. And not to be happy for politically correct statements put on the back of NBA jerseys. Or the fact that Black Lives Matter is being plastered all over their home courts and fields. Because to be honest, that is something that should have already been understood a very long time ago. This is not a time to be naive. This is not a time to fall back into old tricks. Because as we cheer and praise for pre-selected terms to be seen on the back of NBA jerseys, and that we see phrases such as, it takes all of us, and end racism upon the sidelines of an NFL field. There is also, and more importantly, great inactions taken within the highest levels of our government, in which there has still been no action taken on the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, which was introduced in June of this year, and that it has yet to be taken up on a vote within the Senate, and that there has been no action taken on a lynching bill within the Senate, in which it will make lynching illegal at the federal level, and that has yet to be acted upon within the Senate, and how there are still multiple voter disenfranchisement laws put in place within this country, and voter suppression tactics used each and every election cycle to deter or to remove voters from the voting, ro- voting rolls. So simply putting politically correct statements on the back of NBA jerseys and finally saying the words Black Lives Matter and kneeling during an NFL game or the national anthem is not what is at the forefront. Not when we still fail at passing a simple lynching bill. So I really hope you all really enjoyed this first episode of the Expectations Podcast. And I really hope that I did some form of a good job of giving a glimpse of how I see things and the things that are happening right now and the things that are not happening that should be and that we all have expectations and that we all fall short of some of these expectations and that once we finally wake up And I'm not saying for people to be woke. I'm not an advocate for woke people. Because as Charlemagne, the God, says every once in a while, some of these woke people need to go to sleep. But that once people finally wake up or have some semblance of understanding of what is really at the forefront, what is really the goal and the problem that we are trying to solve constantly within this country, that that is when we will finally see the finish line. And the world in which people fought for, in which they knew it was not guaranteed, yet they deemed it to be essential. So I hope I'm able to see you. Not see you, I guess. I'm keeping this in here because I've, I've done this enough each and every episode where I keep saying see, where this is not a video. It is a podcast. But I hope that we were able to meet each other again on the next episode of Expectations. I hope to see you then. I did it again. See? Blooper. See you then. I did it again. You know what I mean. Peace. And that is a wrap on the very first episode of my podcast. 
I'm still in disbelief that this is actually happening. I'm so happy that this is out to you right now and that hopefully you can join me on the next episode of the Expectations Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I worked really hard on it and I know off of the more episodes that I do end up doing that this will just continue to get better and better. So on top of just following me on all of my social media platforms at Robert Harvey Jr., also leave a rating on wherever you are listening to this on and i hope that you suggest anything in which you want me to discuss on this podcast and if you one day want to actually come on the podcast and have a conversation with me because that is exactly what i really want to do every once in a while on this podcast so with that being said i hope i can see you next week on another episode of expectations peace